All right, Inappropriate Earl, we're back. You know, we've had a lot of comics on lately. We've had a lot of people from Roast Battle. We've had people from The Jellies on. And uh, I love getting musicians on. You know, and I've had some cool ones. I've had Steady Freddy Corey from Cinderella. Recently played a few songs with Night Ranger. I've had Joey Allen from Warrant. The great Stephen Piercy from Rat. And the amazing Bobby Rock from... Not just the Lita Ford band, but for my personal obsession, Vinny Vincent, who, by the way, will be at the Atlanta Expo tomorrow. Eddie Trunk beat me to it. It's called business. Can't get everyone you want because I want my fucking box set, Mr. Cusano, you thieving bastard. But I'm still a fan. But today I have a man I've literally met three minutes ago, but I saw him at the Saban Theater with the Lita Ford band opening, playing with Ace Freely. I don't get how uh, the drummer sings half the songs in that band, but it's, it's all good. The great guitar player extraordinaire, Mr. Patrick Kennison. Yeah. And side, I, I don't know how to bring you in. I don't want to say sidekick. My but Ed McMahon sidekick. I'm the Robin to his Batman. Right. The Liberace to his Merv Griffin. <laughs> It's for you, uh, you know, older for folks. Nick Bianco, all the way from the frozen tundra. Yes, the, the cold, barren wasteland of death that is Wisconsin right now. Yeah. And you guys are going, uh, you guys just got back from there with Lita's band. Yep. And now we're taking off again tomorrow and doing some more dates. Uh, apparently, we're not allowed to be in our beautiful, perfect weather, California, for long enough. Now, is it outdoor or indoors? Indoor, you guys of course. Yeah. Now, how do you go from getting into Lita Ford's band like what's the process because you had your own band that had a big hit 2001 350,000 units sold yeah do my research all right yeah Union Underground we were on Sony Columbia uh we were out of San Antonio Texas we were part of what ended up being called the new metal movement with Linkin Park and Disturbed and Papa Roach and all that and uh that lasted for a few years in about 2003 uh the walls came tumbling down and I decided... Why did they? A couple things. The usual pitfalls with Union Underground. It was like, uh, uh, what was that show, VH1 Behind the Music? We crammed it all into about two years, two or three years instead of ten. Had It had all the cliched pitfalls. The drugs, the money, uh, the egos. It was all there in a short amount of time. We should have known better. We watched all those behind the musics. But I guess to, to know the path and to walk the path are two different things. And so it died. And it was that big changeover from Napster where labels started just getting rid of bands. You know, we, we get an, an email one day. Our manager says, there's 75 bands that are going to be off the label, and you are one of them. And uh, I had a setup to get on Roadrunner uh, with Doc McGee backing us as a manager. It was all set to go. But things like drugs and ego and money problems wouldn't allow that to move forward. So it died in 2003. And I decided to move out to L.A. because I wasn't done yet. I wasn't going to go home to San Antonio and talk about OzFest 2001 at the bar, you know? Right. And so my first gig, uh, I got to play on Rob Zombie's Greatest Hits album on his bonus tracks through uh, our producer that was working with Union Underground, Scott Humphrey. So it was looking like I was going to be Rob Zombie's guitar player. I was excited. Got along great with him. Great time in the studio. Then along comes the amazing John Five, and Zombie went with a, a more all-star band. So I wasn't mad about that. I was just glad I got to play on the record. Uh, and then as I stayed out here, I ended up forming a band called Heaven Below years later, which I still have. 
And that's the band that plays when I'm not with Lita. And Lita even sings on our new album. But the reason I got that gig, a lot of people probably wondering, I was endorsed by BC Rich Guitars. And the president was a good friend of mine. And he contacted me one day and said, Lita's looking for a guitar player. And I think you could really do great with this gig. I thought, okay. I, I thought she was out of the scene for a while, but I heard she was back. She kind of was. Yeah, she was like in the Caribbean or somewhere. I think she uh, went to the beach and yeah. uh, never returned. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, it, it, everybody goes, wow, you got to play with Lita. You get to play with Lita. That's awesome. When I showed up, Bobby Rock was on the drum kit, and I'm a monster Vinnie Vincent fan. I mean, I was. And I got butterflies when I saw that Bobby Rock was the drummer. And of course, Marty O'Brien was on bass, who I'd played in different bands with. And I was like, oh, he's a monster. So I'm like, okay, even before we get to Lita, this is one of the best rhythm sections in, in, in LA easily. So I did my homework. I learned all the harmonies. Um, How do you do that? Do you just sit there and listen to her records? And are you given a list of songs? Be like, these are what we're going to play. Yeah, I, uh, I knew there was a list. And I watched old videos of the previous guitar player. And one thing, Marty did give me a cheat sheet. He said there was some lacking in the backing vocal area. And he says, I know that's one of your strongest things. So why don't you do that? And so, of course, I learned all the harmonies. And uh, when I went there, I just made sure that I played as best as I could. But I made sure to get all the nuances of the backing vocals. And Lita would, would stop songs and look over. She goes, you know that harmony? I'd be like, yeah, I listened to it. You know, I played in cover bands all through the 90s, right out of high school. So I would have to learn songs from Terrence Trent Darby to Metallica to Garth Brooks to whatever Top 40. And it was challenging. I remember when I was sitting there in my 20s, I'd have to learn like weird chords, like flat five and, and add 11 chords. And it was a pain in my ass. That stuff pays off for musicians because if you learn all these weird styles that frustrated you and you start to get it, when you come to show up for an audition, you can pick out stuff that maybe right. you couldn't have before. So that was kind of my college was my, my cover years, you know? So I ended up doing all the harmonies and I played the guitar solos and Bobby Rock came out after I finished the audition. He goes, Hey Holmes. Like he does. He says, uh, make sure to keep your phone on. So I, I drove, I started driving home and I guess their manager and Bobby and everybody had a meeting and I, and I was almost about to exit and my phone rings and Lita's manager says, Hey, can you come back? And I was like, well, sure. He goes, well, there's other songs you know, right? I said, yeah. And so I turned around, went back, and we played the rest of the songs I knew, and then oh, wow. I had the gig. Yeah. And what was your very first live gig with her? Uh, it was up north where all the cornfields are. That could be a number of places. Yeah, it was a, it was a venue. God, Marty and Bobby would know. Modesto? No, it was a church transformed into, into a, 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 like a, some kind of venue, and it had cornfields. Where was that? It'll hit me when I... That sounds like a Stephen Piercy gig. Was yeah. he in on this gig? Um, yeah, it was crazy. It was, I remember it well, though. It was pretty cool. And how nervous were you? Like, I really wasn't since I had done all the stuff with Union Underground and, and got my own taste of... Uh, I got a taste of stardom for sure with Union Underground. We got to do the Manson tour, OzFest. Um, Which OzFest? Uh, 01, 2001. Was that the one with Marilyn Manson? Yep. I think I was... And Irvine? Yep. I must have seen. We didn't you guys. play Irvine because our singer got sick. That was our only one we missed of the whole tour. Now, when you say sick, is that code for? You know, that's code for what I said earlier. Right. For what the booger sugar yeah, blues? Things. Yeah, exactly. So that was part of it. But I, w I mean, I was nerve. This is why I was kind of nervous. It, it's Lita Ford. She's a legend, and you can't really fuck up with a gig like that. 
because people are showing up to see a legend. So you have to, you have to hold her high, you know, hold her up high. And so that was the, the only nervousness is, okay, I got to do justice to, to everything right. here. So. And is it like, because uh, like when I saw you guys in Beverly Hills, which was, that's a weird place to see a, a rock and roll show, like yeah. in the middle of like the richest neighbor, but it's a beautiful theater. Oh, yeah. uh, like you guys were great. You guys looked like you were having fun, which made me have fun. I think, and Lita, these are Lita's words. Lita says this is her best lineup in her whole career. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And, uh, and I think that's part of it because we do have fun. I'm playing with fucking Bobby Rock. Yeah, so, like. Yeah, like what better drummer could I play with, you know? I mean, anyone that could keep time with Vinnie Vincent is a good drummer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Three zillion notes. Like what made you a Vinnie Vincent fan? Because I'm obsessed with him just how someone named vinnie vincent could get kicked out of the vinnie vincent invasion that seems almost impossible <laughs> he managed i'm a vinnie fan because my older brother and sisters were crazy kiss fans and i loved kiss don't get me wrong but i picked up guitar and i started getting into shred stuff i started learning Ingve malmstein licks and racer x paul gilbert and this vi and all that and the vinnie stuff it was glam but it had shred guitar and so it attracted me. Right. You know, even I don't care if they look like women. I wanted. I was like, whoa, the dude's massively shredding. I got to learn how to do hybrid picking and sweep arpeggios. And I remember my mom took me to a uh, an in store they did in San Antonio, Texas, where I'm from. Really? Yep. And they signed my my vinyl that I have today. And that day I tried out for Lido and I got the gig. I went home. I just got Bobby Rock's number from the from the audition, and I I I found the vinyl. I took a picture. And I sent it to him, and it was autographed. I said, I don't know if you remember a 12-year-old kid with with pimples and hair down to his waist, but that was me at that uh, signing back then. He probably does remember. <laughs> he might have, yeah. Now, who else were some of your influences? Like, because uh, you, would you say you're an 80s kid or a 90s? I'm right in the middle. So I am an 80s kid, but I got into 90s stuff, into Pantera and all that stuff. Right. My, my favorite band of all time is definitely Judas Priest. I think that's the band that didn't invent heavy metal, but wow, did they perfect heavy metal. Oh, they are amazing. They're still... Uh... They still are. Um, that's the, the, you know, with having six older brothers and sisters, I literally got out of my crib as a kid and heard Back in the Saddle from Aerosmith. And, uh, you know, somebody had a copy of Sad Wings of Destiny, and I remember the vocals were real high and scary on the Ripper. I was scared when my brother would put on the Ripper. And then, of course, you get intrigued by it. Um, but uh, yeah, when I picked up a guitar, it was all about shredding. So by the time my band got signed in the late, late nineties, shredding was kind of not cool. And it, and so you would use like a whammy pedal, like, like Tom Morello or something. You could make noises, but you weren't allowed to really shred. Right. And even my mother was, you know, she was in her seventies at the time. She <laughs> said, what happened to all that crazy guitar that you used to do when you do the lessons and that stuff in your room? She said that after she heard my Union Underground album. Right. You know, so when mom notices the guitars have been right. toned down, that says something. But I'm in the middle. I'm an 80s slash 90s guy. What's well, so funny to see how certain styles are popular and then they're out almost within, you know, one year of... You know, like you had uh, the shredders like George Lynch and Brad Gillis and Jake Ely. And then, you know, that style kind of, you know, was out when Guns N' Roses came in. And, and then, you know, new metal came in like West Borland. And like, and then it's, you know, I don't know what, what's, what's the style. I can't keep up with music today. Yeah. I don't get well, it. Now they do stuff like Gent is a style that's a very uh, percussive 
kind of thing with the kick drum and the guitars are very machine gun accuracy and a lot of weird polyrhythms. It's when you hear that where you're like, I'm having a hard time keeping up with where the riff is. Is this four, four? And some of that's cool, but man, I'm all about songs. You know, I love playing acoustically. I think if a song can be done acoustic and moving, you know, I'm, I'm into that. I, I, I do like some of the, the technical <clears throat> stuff, but I don't really put on a dream theater album or anything. I mean, you know, just uh, I don't play anything. Maybe the spoons, uh, a dream theater. Like, it's like, well, these guys are great, but it's just kind of, I don't want to say boring, but uh, like, I'd rather listen to Ace Freely. Absolutely. Like, just a little sloppy. I like even I goes like, I don't know if that's supposed to sound like that, but I'm enjoying. It's it's the it's the flying the kite in a in a in a hurricane vibe. You know, I put on Back in Black. That's I would call that. Coincidentally, it's one of the biggest rock selling album of all. Oh time. my god! That album still makes me drink alcohol. I can't put it on if I'm going to bed because I will get up and I'll make a drink. Yeah, it just makes you like welcome to the jungle. It's, just it's like, yeah, like what is that? It's connected in our DNA or something. It's just, uh, but like I like shitty action movies. <laughs> I don't want to see a good movie. I want to see like you know steven seagal before he was you know sexually harassing people in his auditions uh you know jean claude van damme by the way when is the me too movement gonna hit the uh, oh, yeah. music uh yeah, exactly. i mean i feel like <laughs> like you know ted nugent had a song called jailbait yeah kiss uh, christine 16 yeah. uh is, are some of your comrades worried uh I don't know. I wonder about that. You know, I, you know, my mom would buy me albums like Shout at the Devil, Number of the Beast. I remember one of the first albums I got was Diary of a Madman. And my mom would look at the cover, you know, and my mom is, is a Hispanic uh, Catholic. And she looked at it and I just looked at her and said, Mom, this is like a movie. This doesn't mean what you see here means that it's real life. And my mom actually listened to this 11 year old kid tell her that. And I got all those albums. So, I don't know. I, I, even though there was Christine 16, does it really mean that he was everything said was done in reality? Well, knowing Gene, I'm guessing, well, who knows? Yeah, uh, who knows? You're right. Yeah. But I just find that, you, you know, they're running out of comics and actors to go after. Oh, so man. I, I think just, it's it's like the, it's almost like the, uh, the, the Salem witch trials or something. Right. You know, like, who knows? Well, if they float, that means they were a witch. Well, it's too late. You killed them. Yeah, I mean, uh, even Billy Idol in concert, uh, I saw him open up for Morrissey recently, which I thought was a weird, uh, strange pairing. Uh, he's like, I can't even jack off anymore. Yeah. Like, so uh, now, Nick, are you good? Okay. Just want to make, uh, you know, do you have anything you want to plug? No, no, I'm good. Okay. He got his whiskey or he's getting his whiskey after this. Yeah. Are you going to the whiskey? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know what we got. We did. We did Skinnies last night, and we both got up and jammed. They have an open jam at Skinnies in Hollywood, and that's a good time. Okay, a lot that, of bands. That was a good time. Do you ever do the uh, the thing at Lucky Strike? Yep, Heaven Below. My other band plays that, and we have a blast with it. And where can people get that? Uh, if, if Heaven Below is uh, iTunes, we're all over iTunes. So you can always go to heavenbelow.com. I feel like the .com is famous again. You know, oh, absolutely. It got pushed away, but uh, yeah, our, that's our hub, and we're easy to find on Facebook, and um, yeah, we're we're pretty accessible. Now, what about new music with Lita? Like, because I'm often curious. Like, uh, you know, I'll admit, like when I go see Kiss, I don't want to hear anything off of Sonic Boom. 
you know, and when I saw you guys at the the Saban, I hope I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. That is right. I don't know if it's called the Saban. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to hear Kiss Me Deadly. And, you know, when I close my eyes or when you close your eyes and, yeah. and all the hit the runaway songs and, you know, is it hard for an established artist like Lita and her band to... Is there much incentive, I guess, to go into the studio and make a new album? For her, there definitely is. And for us, there is. Because I know when I joined her, I thought the same thing. Well, what's the latest albums? And she had Living Like a Runaway, which has some great songs that get great response live. I think what some bands do is they go too heavy on the new stuff. Right. I know I saw Iron Maiden one year, and it's one of my favorite bands. But they went almost all new. And I'm like, hey, man, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And Lita has a nice balance. It's it's right. It's got the the powerful hits, but we can sprinkle in some new stuff. And when it gets attention, we keep it in the set list. Right, right. Because I'm curious. I don't know how the music business works anymore. Like, Me neither. <laughs> and you're in it. Yeah. You guys are in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, is it like more iTunes? Is that the like? At this point, and this is uh, digital I, downloads. Well, no, actually, that is almost getting push back now it's streaming it's spotify apple streaming music a lot of people go where to youtube uh yeah youtube uh youtube music uh yeah the streaming is what most people or a lot of people are really you know me personally i like actually having my stuff because you know if i'm not you know i think i said this to you the other day pat if if i'm not connected to the internet or like you know i'm driving through a mountain or you know i i want to be able to listen to my stuff yeah so you know that and it's just i don't know i feel a little bit better about buying it like actually just paying for it and getting it because you know i was that guy that would go to a you know a music store at midnight Same. for the oh, re- yeah. for the release of an album you know what i mean oh tower records yeah, yeah like, absolutely you know and um oh god i think the last time i was at a tower records was for a marilyn manson book signing oh yeah <laughs> yeah when when the long hard road out of hell came out yeah. right and <laughs> it was it, i'm standing in line and they ca- and I had like an issue of circus and an issue of hit parader mm-hmm. and an issue of metal edge and I had them tucked into my belt. Yeah. And the guy kept coming through the line and he's like, he's only signing books. He's only signing books. So I, you know, get up there and I've got my book and then I pulled all this other shit out and he looks at me and he sees, you know, there's like three magazines and he's like, I, I can only sign books, man. And I've looked at him and I'm like, so let me get this straight. Marilyn Manson, the antichrist superstar. <laughs> is bowing down to tower records yeah apparently and i'm like fuck your book and i went to and i went to grab my shit and he slams his hand down on top of the magazines and he's like well played and he signed them all and he signed all and like everything i gave him my magazines i even had like a little uh a little patch and everything like he signed everything and then he looks at everybody else in the line and he goes that's not gonna work again it's like yes if anybody pull it off it's nick got it all I should have had you uh, with me at the, uh, let me see, I think it's right here, the Stephen Piercy uh, book signing. You know, they, it was at Book Soup. I called up and said, hey, uh, I think the autograph is on the next page. You know, they had a little yellow post-it where you put your name, just as Earl. Yeah. I get to the line with the book. They made you buy the book first. I get it. And he looks at me and goes, what's your name? I'm like, well, it's, it's kind of right there on the post-it. It's, you know, Earl. He's like, Merle? I'm like, no, no, no. Earl. He's like, Burl? This is a book signing at 11 a.m. Probably not the best. Uh, yeah. Yeah, know, it, uh, yeah, as he's trying to not figure, for Mr. Piercy. figure it out through one bloodshot eye. The book is called Sex, Drugs, Rat, and Rolls. Right. Yeah. A great book. A very simple read. 
not quite as simple as Bobby Brown's book, uh, The Cherry Pie Girl. You could drive a truck through the sentences. A uh, <laughs> lot, lot of spacing, a lot of spacing. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I just don't understand. Uh, like when you Lita goes on tours, like, do you have like CDs for sale at the merch booth or is it? Like, there are CDs. Those are a little more limited, but she also does books. But what's been great lately is they just finally released the paperback, not just the hardback, which right. is much easier to ship and stuff like that. So, yeah, she'll do signings and VIP things. And uh, it's pretty cool. People come up to me and Bobby and Marty with the book because we're in the section with the pictures. Right. So it, it turns into everybody signing the book, which is kind of fun. And uh, did you get a cut on that T-shirt on the couch? That is a I don't really wanna, good question. I don't want to delve yeah. too much into finances. But I will say this. Lita is awesome to work for, and, and she knows that the guys in her band have you know, had their own thing before they got to her. Right. So she knows we're not right off the bus, and she respects us. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, a lot of things get considered from her whenever something goes down, and I love her for that. Oh, I think so highly of her, just for a woman to make it in a basically a man's business and to be successful for as long as she has like that's amazing like oh yeah she's a, she's a true professional and I, and I definitely have learned a lot of stuff from her just playing alongside of her you know she's one of these people that might not be having a good day or, or maybe she doesn't feel great that day you would never know it by coming to see us play and it's amazing how somebody like that can turn it off and on and have it be so genuine, you know, because I've played in bands like the band that missed the Ozfest gig at Irvine. You know, it wasn't professional enough, I guess. We were in our 20s and we were being stupid, you know. Well, yeah, but, I, you know, I could understand it. You know, I was on a TV show. We'll see which one. Uh, you think, well, this is great. We're all making money. We're all part of my life. Well, I guess I could say this in front of you guys. Fucking everyone's fucking everyone on this show. Yeah. Uh, why can't we all just get along and like this is the time of our lives for a lot of us, myself included, it was our first time on TV. Uh, and I was like, this is, should be the greatest experience ever. And although it was, it was like, it could have been better, you know? And, and so I know what you're saying. Like, cause I always used to see bands and go, why can't you guys just get along? You know, oh, like, you know, you're in a bus with somebody, you're in a plane close quarters and you have four people's moods or five people's moods. It, it can be it can be pretty ridiculous. And then like one guy is tiptoeing, the other one's brash. You know, you have to, I think you have to be able to communicate and you have to know, there's a way you can argue with somebody that isn't offensive to right. them and isn't, doesn't make you angry. And and I love those kind of people, you know, and I, I play with people like that and I, I'm in bands with guys like that. We can talk about it and disagree and nobody ever raises their voice or acts foolish. Right, like just watching you guys on stage with Lita, it's like these guys all get along. You could just tell. Yeah. Like, you know, I saw Motley Crue's last concert. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. And maybe you could tell me if I'm an idiot or not. I paid $1,000 a ticket to sit in the front row. I thought, I want to, this is their last shot. I want to see what it's like from the very front row. And you could just tell these guys can't stand each other. Yeah, you could, it's, a, there's it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. You, even if you didn't speak English and you went and watched them, you could feel and tell because as human instincts, we feel these these things. You know? Yeah, and I'm a people reader. And yeah. like outside of Mick Mars, who doesn't move an inch, like yeah. you know the other like just seen Guns and Roses recently. Uh, the the original three guys. I'll give them this. It's a four hour concert. Yep. It's a little much for my taste, but oh, yeah. like 
as a Jewish man, you get your money's worth. Yeah. Uh, but it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'll give them that. Like, I could have done without the 37 song concert. Just yeah. give me the hits, maybe one or two off Chinese Democracy. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, but the the original three, you could tell they like they didn't look at each other. Yeah. Like I don't like you guys are smiling at each other and like. I don't know. It we just, entertain each other and we do that off stage. You know, we, we do it in text, you know, I'll text with Lita and the whole band will have goofy. We send memes to each other that are hilarious stuff. We pull off the internet, you know? Right. And we're like kids like that. And I think, I think once you start entertaining each other, it just makes for a great relationship. Yeah. The fans have a good time. They'll, they're in a better mood to buy stuff at the merch booth and like, I don't know, uh, meet and greets and whatnot. Uh, by the way, some of those meet and greets look like an Amber Alert convention. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you guys keep a straight face. I mean, when I'm one of the more normal looking guys, yeah. it's like uh, now. How much creative uh, liberty do you have on playing with Lita, like live? Uh, you know, because I know, like with Vinnie Vincent, a lot of people didn't like how he, uh, let's just say, uh, interpreted Ace's uh, exactly. <laughs> body of work. Yeah. I liked it, but like, are, does she? Say, listen, this is how it's played. There's no... <laughs> On certain things we have, we'll, when we'll rehearse, she'll show me, I'll interpret something from the record in a way, and she'll go, well, actually, it's more like this, and then we fix it. Um, but I feel like I have to pay homage to the legacy, because I saw Lita Ford when I was a teenager, and I was blown away. Uh, so I don't go up there and start playing sweep arpeggios and Ingve Malmsteen stuff. It just <laughs> doesn't make sense over, over, over really pure rock and music like that. Right. So... Uh, I don't say I tone it down, but I cater it to to sound, you know, big and, and monstrous like when she plays. Just when I hear her play guitar at Soundcheck, I'm like, this sounds like Jimmy Page, 1972. This is awesome. Especially with that double uh, neck. Yeah, uh, and she's got strong hands. A lot of people think, you know, well, if a, when a female plays, they have a real light touch and everything's real dainty. Well, that is definitely not the case with Lita. She plugs in and that shit is loud and rude sounding. I mean, I think of her as a dude when she plays, and I mean that as a compliment. Absolutely. Like, I mean, she's beautiful. Uh, looks aside, it's like that's like a dude playing. I played that. her her BC Riches, and the strings are so high. I go, Lita, how do you play this like this? She says, Yeah, it's just how I feel. I just dig in there and jam, and I I get that. You know, I uh, I come from the shredder background, so my guitars play a lot easier. Right, they're not all the way against the frets where you breathe on them. But I always I do the Eddie Van Halen thing. He always says, "Why make it harder?" So I kind of agree with with that. But you know, she has a lot of power. She just she just gets those fingers on there, and it's like I said, it reminds me of Jimmy Page from the seventies. Well, I just saw Jimmy Page uh, being interviewed in the Jeff Beck documentary, and it's like you know, it opened up my eyes to uh, you know, I, I like like guys like you and George Lynch, and you know, I was like, wow. I, these guys are pretty good too. Like yeah, yeah. when you were growing, like what made you want to play guitar? Was there a, a video or a my older brother played um, MTV had come out uh, and I was definitely one of those weird kids in school. I didn't get good grades. I couldn't do sports. They used to call me girly boy on the baseball field. Cause you had long hair or oh, I was in a Catholic school and they'd always make me cut it. Me so too. I finally got to, to public school and I did have long hair, but I, uh, I didn't get along with the theater drama people either. And it, you know, as a kid, you start to go, am I retarded? What's wrong with me? I can't do anything. I, I went through that whole thing. I can't do anything. And, um, 
I started playing guitar and uh, I took to it immediately. My brother showed me bar chords and how to play Breaking the Law. And I started to get it. And my parents got excited. They're like, oh, finally, this kid does something. And so they got me an electric guitar. And I quickly formed a band with another guy who was my age that played drums really well. And we were playing uh, clubs when we were 14. Our parents would show up and have to, to be there and then escort us out. Right. And uh, that was a huge confidence booster. Girls started liking me finally. Oh, I, I bet. Like, wow. I did my seventh grade dance. We were the intermission <sighs> band. We played Queen of the Reich, Red Hot, and two originals. And our singer was suspended, so he couldn't be there. So we played Queen of the Reich instrumentally, but I sang Red Hot. And girls screamed real crazy when I, when I went into the fight for the black shark, see what evil bring. And, and my stomach got butterflies when I heard girls scream. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. You know, because I'm thinking of the weird kid I was. Right. You know, and so it, there was no, no going back. I had just seen Iron Maiden on the Power Slave tour. It was oh, one wow. Of the first concerts with Wasp opening. <laughs> and my brother, my brother still tells the story to this day. A steamroller couldn't push me over during that concert. I had no idea how cool it was. You know, the Eddie came out with the pyro and Blackie Lawless when he opened up with Wasp. He, he, he threw stuff in the crowd and he drank blood from a skull. I was like, this is awesome. So there was no question. There was no going back. No, I mean, I, uh, I saw Wasp opening up for PRC at the House of Blues many, many moons ago. And the, I'll never forget the wall of body odor. <laughs> That hit me when I opened up the door. That to was go just in. Chris Holmes. Right. <laughs> uh, Chris Holmes bought me a burrito once. No, I bought him a burrito because oh, nice. he had two tickets for Rat at the Key Club, which is now, I think, One Oak. Yeah. It's not my Key Club yeah. or Gazzari's. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, really? I'm buying you food to get a Rat ticket from you? It was like, <laughs> but he did cure my friend of alcoholism because one night at the Rainbow, Chris Holmes looked at my friend and said, you look like a young version of me. And my friend never had a drink after that. Oh, <laughs> that's all you had to hear. That's, that's That was it. He was doing the Lord's work. <laughs> you know, I think he's off in Norway now. Maybe he's with Trump yeah. uh, getting the Norwegians. Uh, you know, Wasp was great. Like, you know, I don't know why they never... Uh, why does a band like Wasp never... Like, some bands make it, some don't. Like, why did they never get... Like to that Motley Crue level. They were too extreme. Were they? Right. Well, the crew didn't have songs like Fuck Like a Beast. That's a fair you know, point. And, and, and Vince Neil didn't ride, you know, a pair of ape hangers mounted on a spring for a mic stand and, you know, with a knife blade cock and a grinder. You know, that's you know what I mean? Point. Like it was, it was the essentially it was almost the shock rock of the 80s, really. Girls loved Motley Crue. A lot of girls were probably scared of Wasp, I bet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when uh, I think Randy Piper's the best looking guy in the band, you yeah. got big problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and they tried to be glammy. Remember, remember, Blackie switched to guitar. He he put on the uh, the white boots and did the Paul Stanley dance. Uh oh. I remember Watch seeing out. that on MTV, and I said, "What happened to my band that I liked that played I Want to Be Somebody?" And yeah, this like is beast. not inside the Electric Circus. I, I was not happy. I was not happy that he went from being like a Gene Simmons to a Paul Stanley, and it turned me off a little bit. I still like Wasp, but they turned me off a little bit with that. Well, I think, uh, you know, the, the 80s to me was such a fascinating time because the pretty boy rock was in, which I love. You know, I love me some Desmond Child, uh, you know. Bon Jovi-esque. <laughs> sugary some type. Britney Fox. 
Britney Fox. Uh, I saw them at the Troubadour. And you go to the shows, and it's a bunch of scantily clad girls. How could you not like Yeah. Them? Well, except you know? for a Desmond Child show. It's all good, though, yeah. whatever you're into. Uh, but... You know, you had a band like Wasp it was hardcore, and they're like, "Oh, we got to start looking like Poison." Or, you know, Kiss really lost a lot of fans. You know, I mean, I love Crazy Nights myself, mm-hmm. but that's not Kiss. Yeah, that's yeah. them trying to do Bon Jovi. Well, exactly. it, it, like, and when they took the makeup off, you know, it's like the gimmick part of it was, you know, like what was that? Animalize. That uh, was yeah, lick it up. Yeah, or, or, yeah, yeah. I'm and, a Kiss and, authority, and it was just weird. It's like you know because they were such a market like they sold they were a marketing machine like you know lunch boxes if they didn't have the makeup and the you know all this stuff nobody would have a kiss you'd, lunch you'd box be, you'd be forced you know? to really just key in on the material which i love all the kiss material but you just brought up a good point when lick it up came out vinnie vincent came into the band and started writing and the songwriting yeah. clearly yeah, like improved really good well he'd yeah. even done it on creatures yeah and uh that was obvious to me that's part of the reason i became a vinnie fan because that guy stepped into kiss and gave it a kick in the ass save him like and he really did it's too bad that they can't get along and all the things the drama that's gone down because he did save kiss well that goes into what we were talking about tv show your band it's like, why can't you guys? Because I thought Kiss and Vinny were perfect for each other. Like, they reined him in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all right, dude, you can't do these extended solos. Yeah. He gave him like, uh, songwriting they hadn't had. You know, I mean, I loved Unmasked, but that sounded like a Cars album. Right, exactly. Which I love the Cars. Yeah. Finally in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, of course, Benjamin Orr's not with us. God bless him. Oh, he was like, like i mean i'm straight but that was a good looking dude yeah. uh do you understand the rock and roll hall of fame i don't i'm i was really a little heated the past few weeks because i thought after they put in kiss i was really happy i was really happy about cheap trick going in finally finally they put in rush i was jumping up and down i thought wow it's almost getting legitimate now they're putting in bands that should have been there so of course they're gonna put judas priest in that's what i thought they're gonna put my favorite band in the rock and roll hall of fame without question and when they didn't i just was sour as sour grapes get i mean i just just as a fan a stupid fan with maybe the worst taste in music you'll ever hear my ipod's been stolen twice and returned to me within five minutes (laughs) Anyone who has the village people's greatest hits high up in the queue. Yeah. Uh, I just don't understand like how rap bands get in, but yet Iron Maiden's not. Exactly. Judas Priest isn't. Deep Purple isn't. Like I don't even like Deep Purple. I think they, didn't they finally put Deep Purple? In? I don't think so. No? See, that's just that's just backwards. Why are they calling it Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Call it the Music Hall of Fame. Right. Now, now, now it's a little bit more broad. Maybe we can deal with the fact that whoever runs it maybe doesn't like gay guys that front a heavy metal band you know i was so mad i started wondering that is it do they not like that rob you know like why would they turn down judas priest i mean it's they've had the career i mean i guess the criteria is you know uh the career longevity influence and i mean judas priest's influence like jesus a lot of people And and no knock against bon jovi at all i totally see why bon jovi is in there every housewife loves bon jovi their kids sing You Give Love a Bad Name. I totally get it. No knock on Bon Jovi. But Judas Priest, I mean, these guys right next to Black Sabbath uh, 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 almost invented a genre. Oh, my we God. They did. find it easily. 
in the cars is like how could you guys have the Dave Clark five in over the cars? It's it's a it's a nothing it's a black Dave tie Clark. club. It's, right. it's it's something where you can't get in, and whoever the powers that be decide. I don't know. Wouldn't you love to hear the roundtable meetings when this stuff goes down? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I, I was actually, yeah. I was actually just at the rock and roll hall of fame uh, at the end of November. And it, you know, it was cool to actually walk around like all the, you know, like they've got the, the dress that Stevie Nicks wore on the front cover of the rumors album. You know what yes. I mean? Like it just really cool, like memorabilia stuff and all the guitars. And I mean, you walk through and you know, there's Michael Jackson's glove from, you know, like the the thriller tour, you know, whatever it was. I mean, it, it was just, that all was, but then I'm walking through and I'm looking at some of the stuff and I'm like, what, you know, like you said, it should be the music hall of fame. Yeah. Like they should, you know, because I'm like, okay, there's the thing that Lady Gaga wore in the video for Bad Romance. If somebody could please explain to me how that's rock and roll, I really appreciate an explanation because right now I'm a little bit confused. Like I love the whole Jimi Hendrix wing, the, the entire display they have of all his stuff. Like there's some really, really cool stuff there, but then there's some shit that just doesn't make a whole lot of it's sense. Po it's like politics. It's its funny version of politics. It's politi right. you know, well, you know what? Actually, I, I think I maybe do have an explanation is because Rolling Stone magazine is so heavily involved in it. Right. Have you a, ever read a, a top 50 greatest guitarist article in Rolling Stone oh, magazine? Jerry Garcia tops the list. Van Halen it, it, at it, 76. It, yeah. And, and then, you, and then you got Randy Rhodes and Zach Wilde, which, by the way, when you were talking about how shredding isn't just really a thing, there's some shredders still out there doing it because yeah. Zach still kills it. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's like, how is Zach and Randy in the 50s and 60s, you know, or in Eddie Van Halen? 76? And, 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 wow. and Kurt Cobain was like number, Third? number two or, you know, I mean, just he so was crazy. 20. I did so. I, explain that. Jerry Garcia was 13. Oh, so, my so good Lord. It is, as to who gets in or why, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Well, th that loses all credibility it's in the eyes of any person that likes hard rock music. No Lita Ford. Exactly. No Warren D. Martini. Like, yeah. even if you don't like Rat or, or whatever, it's like, this guy's a great guitar player. Like, you know, you, you put Jerry Garcia and him in the same room. Let's see who can. Yes. Yeah, like, Jerry, play Warren's notes. <laughs> it's going to be a little hard for they me to do They actually have now. Jerry Garcia's guitar in there, though. I mean, I just don't get it. The greatest drummers of all time. It's like, well, wait a minute. There's no, like, you know, Neil Peart's like number 18, and you've got the guy from the Smashing Pumpkins at four. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah makes which makes absolutely no sense. And nothing against the guy from I'm Smashing Pumpkins. I'm a drummer, and Neil Peart is, you know, I mean, it's him, it's Dave Lombardo, it's J it's John Bonham. I mean, those guys are, they're they're the gods. Yeah. I they're, mean, they're the gods. And, you know, how are you going to put some guy who, you know, it's like, Somebody, you know, she plays for the White Stripes or something. Oh, she's number five. Yeah, explain that to me. No, I don't think yeah. so. Well, now it gets into another side uh, portion of this conversation is what band members get to go in, like with Kiss. I don't, yeah, and I don't fully understand it. So does the Hall of Fame institution get to tell these legendary bands yeah. members? Like they said, I, I mean, I don't know what they said, but I think... They were like, no Mark St. John for Kiss, which I get. I guess he was only with them for one album. Yeah. But, uh, you know, no Vinnie Vincent. Oh, that's uh, a travesty. Uh, no Eric Singer, uh, Tommy Thayer. You know, I could almost understand Tommy just because, you know, I don't know. He hasn't been with him that, I mean, yeah. you know, but I, I thought uh, no Bruce Kulick. And Bruce was with him longer than Ace. Ah, Bruce held the band up for so long. He was like the, the guy that... He was the anti-Vinnie Vincent, you know, and it, I mean that in a nice way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, he he could play. He was like an updated version of Ace without Vinny's bullshit. Exactly. I don't. You couldn't blame him. You know, when you read about it, as big as we are, Vinny Vincent fans, it sounds like there. It was from both sides, in my opinion. It wasn't just Gene. Gene wants to make it seem like somebody, you know, pissed in his Cheerios. I think it was. But it's both. You know, it was. Well, that's what bothers me, and it's like that's why I never want to meet people I like. Like you know, if like you, you were so nice to me backstage at that show, and I know. It, you know, it's like a two minute, like, but you were like, Hey, thanks for coming and all that stuff. And I was like, well, this guy's actually fucking nice. And Bobby's bringing me and my uh, girlfriend at the time. Like, Hey, here's Lita. And I and she, my girlfriend was a big fan. It was like, wow, I don't want to meet Gene. I don't want to meet, especially now that he's selling the Gene Simmons vault. Oh, I, mean, God. I mean, 150 songs that weren't good enough to be on kiss albums. Yeah. And he's selling it for 10 grand and more. this kind of thing. Well, for two grand, you can listen to, Two songs in a studio with him. <laughs> and then for like 10 grand, it's like you can meet him at Starbucks. Well, <laughs> but for 50, yeah. for 50 grand, you can have him come to your home and deliver it. And he'll hang out with you for two hours. Wow. If he pays me that, I'll help him write songs that will be worthy of a Kiss album. <laughs> Please do. I mean, I mean, I want to actually get the 25 biggest loser Kiss fans to two grand each and they can come over here and I'm going to force Gene to hang out with these people for two hours. I mean, (laughs) just force and just guys ask him any questions you want. Um, But like, I don't know. I just, I don't understand the rock and roll hall of fame, the list. I mean, does it, someone who's an actual musician, you guys, does it bother you? These lists of like, Wait a minute, Eddie Van Halen should be even reinvented the fucking instrument. Oh yeah, I I don't even think of myself at those moments as a musician. I'm a fan first, and I I remember as a little kid when I first heard things like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and you know Eddie Van Halen. Those are monument. Those are religious experiences. You know, of the highest order when you hear that stuff. At least for me as a kid, and then to hear that this small group of people from New York are minimizing that, I it's. I don't know why I get mad, really, because it's hilarious is what it is. Because you can actually, you guys can play your instruments. These guys are girls, probably have never picked up a fucking guitar in their life. Yeah, or they have, you know, some of these people in there had other people write the songs, or maybe the producer put it together. Uh, So, yeah, when it comes to bands like Maiden, Priest, and and this kind of thing, Deep Purple, these guys, yeah, they're, like you said earlier, they're gods. Right. They didn't even need outside help to get Sad Wings of Destiny or or twenty one twelve or whatever they just did it on their own. Right. They didn't need ten writers and a million publicists, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I guess looking at that, you got to laugh at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at that point. Now, social media, do you hate it or love it? I mean, it's the new. It's how comics promote themselves. Uh, bands like, you know, is it a necessary evil for you guys? I like it. I embrace it. Um, it is a double-edged sword, I think, as we've seen, like you were talking about Gene and some of these people, they, they end up showing their ass on social media, you know, with their words and things. So I like to use it as a tool, especially for me when I'm pumping my band Heaven Below to, for people to find out who that is. Right. And I like that people can get in touch with me. Uh, somebody in the music industry told me one time, Patrick, you're just too approachable and and there's no mystery with you. People email you or they they post on there and you're, you're responding to them. Why don't you make it more mysterious? And I'm like, no. I remember in the 90s hanging out with Pantera. Those guys gave me alcohol, didn't even know who I was, right. and brought me on their bus. And I hold them in the highest regard now. So 
I want to make fans and use social media. I don't want to be some guy in a room that people wonder what he does. Well, and and as a fan, it's one of the things I've always loved, which, uh, well, hell, that's how you and I became friends, was accessibility. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're the, oh, you disappear into your bus and, you know, sure, everyone wants to know, but if you actually give them a memory, give them an experience. Like I, 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 we talked about it the other day, the, the day we met, I still like it, what fucking 18 years ago. Yeah. And then I still remember it like it was yesterday and what I did that entire night and all that, but who's going to sit around going, Oh yeah. I remember that night I stood outside that dude's bus for an hour, hoping he'd come out. You know, it, it's just give people accessibility and, and something to, connect to you'll have fans and for life. you'll have fans for life yeah, I, well, like I say, here i am 18 years later yeah. here i am yeah. and pantera was the same way that you know even phil it just they were all about their people absolutely and and i've always loved that so yeah the whole like i'm gonna be mysterious and i'm gonna sit here quietly and maybe wear my sunglasses on you know inside and shit like that i i don't you know yeah. i i don't get it they're just usually those people usually trying to hide something or they're, I get it. I, I have some musician friends that aren't as sociable as me or as we are. And I respect that. And they're not assholes. So I think it's okay. Right. It's yeah. when you get the ones that are socially kind of retarded and, and they're assholes. And, and now that's the worst. Right. And yeah. sometimes it's intentional. Yeah. Like you can know them differently and, and it just like them. They, they almost do it kind of on purpose to appear or be a certain way. And I just, I don't get it. Be you. People can sense that, and and they attach to it if it, if it's genuine. I and guess if I wasn't as personal as people say I am, I guess I wouldn't be so social media, and I would hang back. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Not everybody can always, you know, just oh sure, you know, just, it's you know, some people are shy. Yeah, I remember touring with some of the, you know, with Manson, some of the Marilyn Manson band members. They weren't social. They were cool. They just right. didn't want that wasn't their gig, and I respected that. Neil Pert is a great example. The guy is not all about social uh, being approached. Have you seen the rush beyond a lot of the stage thing? And I, I don't think he's an asshole. I think that's just how he feels. He's just quiet. He's yeah. Neil Pert. He wants to chill. He's Neil Pert. Yeah. You know, I mean, Rush is, uh, their publishing's uh, pretty good. So he's yeah. like, I'm good. Yeah. He doesn't have a whole lot to prove to anybody. So. And, then, and you know, it works out perfect <laughs> because Alex and Getty are kind of the opposite. Right. They're the right. guys who do the meet and greet. They make jokes between themselves and. How, how Alex is, is that? Alex is actually great. Like, did you ever watch the show Trailer Park Boys? I heard he was on. He yeah. did an episode of Trailer Park Boys, and it is phenomenal. Makes you a bigger fan. That, oh, absolutely, normal like, he, dude. he actually like gets kidnapped by Bubbles. I, I, it just, it was such a great episode. If you ever have a chance to watch it, just as a Rush fan and as an Alex fan, you're gonna be like, how, how, how? Like Kingsman Two. Yeah. Like. How did they get Elton John to do this? Oh, yeah. You know, why do you fucking bitch? Like, how <laughs> he cracked me up in that movie. And when it's the same thing with Alex in that episode, I'm like, how did they get you to do this, man? Do you know? It's you know when so I gained, great, though. This is when I gained my most respect for Alex Lifeson. Uh, there was a news piece that he had been drunk and disorderly somewhere uh, at some kind of event with his son. I don't remember a sporting event or what, but it got physical between Alex and somebody else. And Alex ended up spending the night in jail. And he oh. and they had footage of him on the news thing when he came out of jail and he was kind of disheveled looking and anybody else, me included would have said, fuck this person, fuck that person. He had the best attitude ever. He was basically saying something went down. People were assholes and I just don't get it. Why can't we just get along? He, he genuinely seemed right. like the kind of guy like who would fight with Alex Lifeson, whether he was drunk and disorderly or not. He's, right. he's probably having fun yeah. being sweet. 
and something went went awry. And uh, I thought, wow, he never once said, "Do you know who you you know who I am?" And all this, don't you know who I am? And all that, nothing like that out of that guy. Right. I mean, so, that makes you a bigger fan to see that these acts like us. That that guy's a god to me. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, you know, I met Steve Stevens, and it was just like it was just a nice, quiet. I think he lives around here, like yeah. some like Whole Foods. I'm like, <laughs> but he, what, what I loved about him was he was wearing basically a stage outfit at Whole Foods, like yeah. shirt unbuttoned, <laughs> you know, let these leather flared out bell bottoms, and he just didn't like. You know who another one is? Are you uh, friends with Rob Halford? Are you on his? Instagram? I wish. No, I'm not. Rob but- Halford Instagram. You guys got to do it. The guy is amazing. Not only does he make like gay jokes in a in a playful, funny way, he makes fun of himself, but he's still so metal at the same time. Like there'll be old footage of him on a bike and he'll make a gay joke and stuff. And you're like, this guy is amazing. He's not taking himself too seriously. And he's Rob Halford. Who cares if he's gay? Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, the hot rocking video was a pretty good indicator. Right, exactly. It's like, uh, I don't understand why they're all five in the steam room, yeah, but, exactly. uh, you know, yeah, I saw him, uh, at Kimmel and before they had gone on stage, he was doing a sound check and he was just in jean shorts. And like, it was such an unmetal outfit he had on. And yeah. he was just like, I think he was picking up on the uh, stage manager, but hey, whatever. Uh, like, d- did it like make you think of Judas Priest differently when you found out he was gay? Like, to me, it didn't matter. Not at all. It didn't matter to me at all. I just told this story to Nick at the bar yesterday. Here's how I found out uh, as a Priest fan that Halford was gay. Uh, do you remember the movie Police Academy where they go into the Blue Oyster Bar and everyone has the S&M Yeah. Okay, well, I was a little kid and that was one of my dad's favorite movies. And whenever that scene would come on, my dad would start laughing. And I saw the scene as a kid and go, well, they're all dressed like Rob Halford. And my dad laughs. I go, what's so funny? He said, these men are homosexuals. It's when two men get together. This is funny. And I thought, well, the, oh my gosh, I figured it out right then as a little kid. Yeah. And then, and then years later he came out, it didn't phase me the least. He could sing better than any straight guy I know. Oh, he's so metal. Like, you know, anybody that would. Anybody that would ever say, well, he's gay is an asshole. Well, yeah, I mean, who cares? And, like, it, well, yeah, and when we when we, you and I talked about it, it was like, I I don't care that he's gay. I care about the fact that he's, you know, one of the greatest vocalists oh, yeah, I mean, ever. I'm like, no, and I and I think I actually said this to you. I'm like, granted, when I listen to Turbo Lover, it's a little bit different now, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It down. It's still a kick-ass song. I don't care. Oh, absolutely. I, I Listen, I love David Lee Roth. I, you know, I mean... I don't know what I, I feel like he's done a transformation of sorts, like <laughs> from the Yankee Rose video to when I saw them play at Staples Center. I was like, wow, he's like Liberace now. Yeah. Like, yeah. and he, he he does spoken word now. I, I don't know if he quite sings his songs, but yeah. like, I don't care. He's David Lee Roth. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with Paul Stanley. Yeah. I mean, pussy to these guys has been a gateway drug to dick. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Like when you run out of women. Wow! Like, yeah, that guy's cute. Yeah, I thought Chuck Norris was the only guy who did that. <laughs> well, no, I, I think Paul and Dave are. You know what? I mean, I'm. I mean, Vince Neil. I'm sure at some point it's like, yeah, I fucked wow. every girl I on the planet. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, but see, I don't think that's gay. That's boredom. <laughs> like if you sleep with one girl, and then you're like, hey, that guy's pretty cute. <laughs> you know, maybe 
I, maybe, maybe that's why they're trying to like you know extend their careers for a new crop of eighteen year olds to I become run. fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, well, yeah. Let's get off this subject. <laughs> I haven't, luckily, no, I haven't got tired of girls yet. So <laughs> I am not. I'm definitely not there now. Are you uh, single? Uh, single. How long have you been single? Uh, almost two years now. So uh, when you were with your own band, you uh, girlfriend. Had a girlfriend back when I was in Union Underground. She was nine years younger than me, and she was model, hot, beautiful. And I thought we were going to have babies and get married. And I even took her on the road, and the band was mad at me because I had this beautiful right. girl on my side all the time. And it ended up not working out. And it was definitely my painful one. I was like, wow, I, I was sure something was going to happen. And it, it did kind of jade me a little bit with, with women and relationships for me. But I got to say, being single, it's, not, it's, it's nice not having to answer to any person right i answered to my 85 year old mom you know my mom had me when she as was, you should yeah my mom had me when she was you know into her 40s and i was the last kid and so i call my mom when i have girl problems like mom this one girl what do i do and and that seems to be okay i don't know i'm not ready to be tied down nobody is uh this is pretty hard to pierce this armored heart right so. oh here <laughs> mine, mine's the girl you met with me that night yeah so 27 years younger wow legal yeah, it's legal. Let's just put that out in the ether. But uh, I mean, well, I'm sure. Uh, like, I've, you know, since you're not, you're not. How old are you? If I may ask, I'm 46. So you've seen it all, done it all. Like after a gig, now do you just want to go uh, relax with the boys, go go to your hotel room, or is there still a bit of a wild side? Oh, me and this dude after our Vegas gig, we <laughs> I hadn't seen him for a while, so we took over another small club where a cover band was playing. And they, when they realized I played with Lita and that my boy is an awesome drummer, we got up and, and played the rest of the set that night and just closed the place down. And by the end, it was just oh yeah, pandemonium. People, pe people were you know having their pictures, you know, wanting their pictures taken with us and all. Like him, I understand, but I mean, I, you know, I might look the part, but I'm a nobody, you know. But yeah, we we tore the roof off the. Uh, well, shit, and that we, was that was the Rush Lounge at the Golden Nugget. Yeah, and we drank a lot and we had fun, and then I think we ate hamburgers and then we went to bed. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Oh, that was when because it was cash only for the uh, for the room service. Yeah. Best thirty dollar burger I've ever had. By the way, it, it was. Where was it this? Was Where's a thirty dollar burger? Room service at four a.m. at the Golden Nugget in Vegas. Thirty two. Yeah, because it was like or it was like fifty five dollars for all the stuff we got. Two burgers and all. We weren't the bullshit. too hungover since we had. The, well, he never gets. Hungover. I never get hungover, but I did try and take money out of the ATM using my driver's license. <laughs> okay. Smart yeah. move. I, I was just that. I was just that fucked up. <laughs> it was I, a good, it was I, a good night. I like to drink after the show. I really do. Right. It, it winds me down, and um, I like to hang with fans and friends. And I don't know. I like it. I don't feel like I need to go run away from anything. Right, right. Yeah. Now, uh, a bit of a serious note here. I try not to be too serious, guys. But uh, you mentioned Vegas, the Mandalay Bay, the concert, the shooting. Uh, has that changed at all? Your perspective when you look out into the crowd and like go oh, okay this guy looks a little off absolutely uh, before that the dime me and me and nick were talking about the dime bag murder and yeah. you know that's something you never get over because we're such dime bag fans and to think that somebody would kill a, a, a wonderful performer on the stage whether they were playing a small club or if they were legends that makes no sense you, you i can't wrap my head around that and i know uh december 8th I was playing with Lita in Fort Worth, and that was the anniversary of Dimebag's death. And a guy got on stage that night and ran up to my mic and yelled in it. And of course, security 
grabbed him and it did it scared the hell out of me and uh did you see him at all from I your peripheral from peripheral vision coming up and i moved and then security grabbed him and uh thank god he didn't go for lita uh and it it scared me and i was like wow you know it could all end with it, it, for someone to be killed it's it's a fraction of a second i, I suppose oh, sure. someone's shot yeah and and that's that's weird to even put your mind around so yeah i uh, especially being with Lita, we have good security and whatnot. Um, yeah, I'm real aware of people, but I'm I'm pretty tough. Like people, are like you're a nice guy, but I'll take a motherfucker down. I'm from Texas, yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, exactly. San Antonio. I've had to stick up to Look, myself I'm, for it, myself many times. Yeah, you're you're a hell of a nice guy, but you know you're <laughs> yeah when when you need to. Yeah, I'm a I'm a damn good shot. Let see, me tell you, even it, though I don't well, I don't yeah. conceal and carry, but I'm a damn good shot. You need the uh, Kane Roberts uh, machine yeah. gun guitar, <laughs> and and you know talking about that Dimebag Daryl thing, like not even just from a fan's perspective, but you know, well, you and I have talked about it a hundred times. I used to build guitars in the Washburn Custom Shop, and you know, to meet the man, you know, and and know him personally, and and you know, hell, I spent hours with him the one night at the house of blues in Chicago, like two weeks before he died, it was November 21st. So it was like a couple of weeks before he died, two or three yeah. weeks. And to know what as you know, the, the music world didn't just lose a hero. It, it just humanity, like the world lost right. something great because who he was as a person was just absolutely incredible. Like he, if he had a dollar in his pocket and you were hungry, it was yours. He'd give you the shirt off his back. There was, zero rock star in him unless he was just joking around saying hey i'm a rock star you know like he would joke about it but his attitude he was as as down to earth and cool as as anybody else and we were just saying yeah there's no getting over that you so, never get over that so how does somebody have a heart filled with that much hate for something that they would want to take that away from not only the, some, themselves but the rest of us i i, I just I, I can't wrap my it's head around it. It's easier to to bury your grandmother. It's easier to expect that your parents are gonna are gonna not be with you one day. It's really tough when a hero like that dies in that way. You never get over it. There's I never mean, gonna be getting over it. There's just evil people in this world. Like, yeah. why can't everyone be like you guys and like Bob? Well, because then we wouldn't be special. You know, that's true. Why do you have to ruin something with a good thought? Yeah. The only thing I took away from the dime bag thing that I I hold on to in my mind is when I saw that Officer Nagermeyer had killed the perpetrator uh, with a shotgun and he didn't wait for backup. And I just think if Nagermeyer hadn't showed up, Vinny would probably be dead. He was off duty. People in the front would be dead. He was off duty and heard the call of shots fired and happened to be driving by, went in the back door with the shotgun he just happened to have in his car. Oh, what an amazing man. And from, and my understanding was that uh, Nathan Gale was actually behind one of the PA stacks reloading. Yeah. When, when, he went in there and, and just and just took him out. I have a special place in my heart for armed forces and, oh my and, God. and the police because that is a hero. A guy you, you to go into that with your gun without your backup, not knowing what's going on in there. All you know is people are hurt and I'm worried about not going I don't on. want to hit and like he focused right. and he took out the perpetrator. He focused and put every uh, what an amazing man. And you know, the thing that really I'm a hockey guy. Yeah. The guy the 
perpetrator had a Columbus Blue Jackets jersey on. So that was like the only good publicity yeah. hockey had gotten. Yeah. Hockey can't get you a fucking break. Right. You know? Why couldn't he have had a, like a David Robinson jersey exactly. on or something? <laughs> you know, oh, so, uh, yeah, oh, my God, Armed Forces, like they let us do what we do. Like you guys can play music. I can tell dick jokes and yeah. have Tori Spelling hackle me last night. And, <laughs> nice. Uh, She's a little bombed out, but it's all good. Yeah, you know, if (laughs) if you want to take something positive away from it, horrible tragedies like that actually end up keeping people like Lita Ford maybe more protected than they would have been because we can't have a replay of that. That's that's like World War II. It can't happen again. Well, because I would, uh, you know, every time I go to a hockey game, I'm like, Jesus, this could be a great place for a shooting. Like I hate to like, like that's how I think now. Like, yeah. what well, have you been to Vegas since that that whole? I haven't. No. no, when when I was there actually to to see you earlier this month, um, I specifically, you know, had my friend Carrie drive me to Mandalay Bay, uh, and I just stood there on the sidewalk, and you know, I had her just drop me. I said, just you know, just drive around for ten minutes because parking there is just oh, it's horrible. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm like, just drop me off, just drive around for ten minutes, just come back, and I just stood there. And I'm like, and I'm looking at Mandalay Bay and I'm looking over here at, you know, where, where the concert was happening. And in my head, it's like, I, I can't even imagine like to be standing there. I, I can't even imagine what it was like when it was happening. I, I just, it, it was surreal just to, Oh, I can't just like, to, you know what I mean? Like it, seeing it on TV and all that is one thing, but to just stand there knowing what happened and it, it it's fucked up. It, yeah. it, it, it yeah, it took a minute to sink in, and I'm like, wow. And I'm like, I, I got to get out of here. Actually, how you guys were talking about at the the El Rosa Villa, yeah, where where Dime got shot. I think it was I think it was Nikki, yeah, that said it. She's like, you know, that area. It's just there's a heaviness right. in that building. Oh and, sure. And and even there, at just standing on the sidewalk in front of Mandalay Bay, it's like you can just feel it. I mean, I could at least. It was just. Oh, I believe you can feel like you know, the, so the energy, energy of. Uh, so yeah, hopefully, well, you know, like you said, things like that happen, and you it know opens what? people's it, eyes to say, okay, we need to make sure this doesn't happen. And again. It, it sounds like hippie bullshit, but these people can bring that hate all they want. But th- when we go to concerts, I mean, it's so it's such a it's the best. It's the love. I remember going to Pantera. I'm like. These guys don't give a fuck what background ethnicity you are. Right. This is going to be a good time. If you're in the pit, your family. If you're in the pit, you get held up. People will hold you back up if you fall. I'm yeah. like, wow, what? That's amazing. Oh, yeah. And they'll hurt themselves to get you off the floor just so you don't get trampled. Like if somebody goes down, you've got five arms coming in to pick you up. And right if somebody now. and if somebody tries to pull a jack move and tries to clock somebody, there'll be ten guys on that on the asphalt right. immediately. Mm-hmm. And what a what a place of love. That's amazing. I mean, I felt I used to take the manager from Motorhead, uh, the female manager. That's right. And uh, like their fans are the same. Like their mosh pits would be there'd be this one huge Indian guy at every show. And I don't know who this guy was. I don't know what he did. He was like the chief from Cuckoo's Nest. Like yeah. no one fucked with this guy. And he would pick people up if they fell down. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone would avoid this guy. But it's the music just. I can't thank you guys enough for like. You guys make us feel better. Hopefully, you go to a stand-up show or whatever. We make you feel better, and you know, it's just. Uh, I wish everyone was like us, but you know, it's it's funny these days. Seems you know everybody's so concerned with being politically correct and the hashtag Me Too, and I realize within that there are some good intentions, but I I mean, like we were saying earlier, I don't remember as a kid worrying about all these kind of things and this whole 
uh, lynch mob mentality and all because this we did political. Yeah. Well, it was just a different era. Like if the, if the Me Too movement was around when uh, David Lee Roth videos were out, I mean, right. there wouldn't be a video made. I yeah. mean, look at uh, you know uh, some of the Molly Crew videos with you know girls and uh, you know kiss videos. Absolutely. Uh, let's put the X in sex. I mean, yeah. I don't think that video could have. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I wish it wasn't made, but like. Yeah. So a little rough when they gene was looking like b arthur exactly but uh i often <laughs> no i'm a biggest kiss fan on earth i know I, that was just awesome. hilarious it's though because awesome. what i did was i actually just pictured b arthur and yeah. kiss makeup and that's right. yeah well yeah. and ozzy too and that uh jakey lee era and i'm a, a huge jakey lee fan i mean i saw him on his uh comeback concert at the whiskey it was a little rough but yeah. like you know the singer was i saw it and i kind of rolled my eyes a little bit i can't sing but like when he's just singing rock and roll rebel and uh he's actually saying rock and roll devil it's like dude come oh. on, let's get it together and he's like hey everyone i'm from toronto it's like no offense to the singer but like <laughs> yeah. no no like, like, yeah you know, where's exactly. for jake like <laughs> you know cut the crowd stick yeah. uh but what's next for you uh let's see we're more touring with lita we're working on a, a new album for Lita. I can't say the name of it or divulge much, but we already have demos in the works. Um, Heaven Below will be releasing a deluxe edition of our critically acclaimed album, Good Morning Apocalypse, that features Lita Ford, Udo Dirk Schneider, Jason McMaster, Cobra Page, and uh, it got insane uh, reviews in Europe where it got released. Oh, we, sweet. Yeah, we'd released it through through a label in Europe, and we're doing a deluxe edition for America that'll be out before the summer. Now, uh, going to the new album for Lita, what's the writing process like? Do you guys... Uh, does she write the lyrics, and then... She has a, a team... No, I wouldn't say a team. She has a few people she's collaborated with. Um, I've given her tons of ideas. Well, we don't know which ones are going to come to life or what's going to happen, but she already has a few songs that are put together. And I heard some roughs that were really good. Okay. But yeah, she's not one of those people that says I have to do everything. She knows, you know, some of her best songs are the collaborations, you know, all the way back to close my eyes forever or, right. or many other songs. So she casts the net in, in that way. And I think it's good to cast the net kind of wide and see what, see what sticks. Now, when you record it, do you guys do it, uh, because I know some bands like to record the whole thing in the room together. Yeah. Or do you guys do all the parts separately? Like Bobby does his drums, so Marty. So far, things have been done separately, at least on a on a demo uh, a process. It's been everybody being separate. But, you know, we play so well together. I can imagine the final tracks maybe being everybody in a room together. And do bands even bother making music videos anymore it's funny you say that you know that that's a hot topic in in my other band heaven below you know do we want to spend x amount of dollars for this um i think they still have a place and i think you're because all music videos are competing with cute cat videos and half naked girls and fail videos that's what human beings <laughs> like to watch first uh i think the bar has to raise a little bit on videos it's time for that then we'll let's keep people entertained you know and i I, I still think there's a place for him. I mean, I'm obsessed with the keyboard cat video. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially the one they have with uh, the guy who gets the paternity test on Maury Povich. <laughs> and 
he's they do the test he's not the father and he starts doing this wild dance and then they have the keyboard cack and it's it's entertaining i love the bad lip reading the star wars right yoda bad lip reading that's hilarious the nfl ones are good the nfl the walking dead ones those are funny uh but i think there's a place for music videos they just have to be you know not every band has a badass kick-ass front woman like like i have oh. when we make videos so and who still looks great yeah like or a kick-ass front man like you do with heaven below thank you like, i'm working you've, on you've got I'm working it, on the good looking part i'm still working on it, it don't let that <laughs> stop just play loud enough yeah. now, who is in your band uh in heaven below let's give them some love yeah, yeah i'm the singer and guitar player in heaven below we have a lead guitar player named lucas canopa uh we have a bass player named john younger that comes from my hometown we have a kick-ass drummer named Shad Wilhelm. Now, my thing with Heaven Below was I didn't I didn't want to p- set out and put an all-star band together. Oh, this is a guy from that band. You remember this? You remember that? I kind of let it go organically. I don't I don't need to have a lot of big names. Right. I don't even think of myself as a big name. I I just want it to be on the merits of man that riff kicks ass, dude. Those harmonies are you know I I want what I like got it to be right. for. Yeah. Well, I get it. Well, you know, I'm uh, friends with uh, a great drummer by the name of Brent Fitz. I don't oh, yeah. know. Uh, and, you know, how I met him was through that band Union, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I liked him. It was just a little late to the party in terms of that, uh, you know, genre. But I, you know, it's like, hey, this is the singer from Motley Cruz, guitar player from Kiss. And I just, I'd rather just hear a good, like, they, they were a great band, yeah. but like, you know, I don't know. I agree. Like I, I like your approach. Just these are four great players. Yeah, and then of course I, I was able on on Good Morning Apocalypse, our our recent album that's going to be re released uh, over here. And how can people get it? iTunes. It's going to be on iTunes. Yeah, right now it's not. It's going to be because we only had a hard copy release and we had it only European. It's going to be on iTunes. It's going to be everywhere. Spotify. It'll be on Apple streaming. Now that album does have the four legendary names. We'll call them, but. It's they're badasses. It's not just names, you know. They, right. they sound great on the song. So yeah, I mean that. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean you can't argue with the four people you have on the album. Thank you. I, I thought I saw all the rappers do the collaboration. I'm like, man, we need more of this in in heavy metal and rock and roll. Collaborations are cool. Well, oh, I, I would and, love that. And that song that that Udo sings on, it, it's you know when I like you said earlier, you know, all of a sudden you hear it, and all of a sudden I'm that 11 year old kid again, and you're just like, oh, you know. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, Very I, cool. the fourteen-year-old of me can't believe that Udo Dirk Schneider accept is on my album, singing lyrics that I wrote. I, I mean, that's crazy. How does, this, how does this happen? You know? Yeah, it's like it. You know, you're a performer, but you're also a fan. Absolutely. Like, and there's another collaboration. I haven't. Uh, we're, we're not supposed to say anything yet, but I'm in a good mood. Um, the tribute band, the Iron Maidens. Those are good friends of mine. Nita Strauss. Yeah, uh, she's not in it now. No, Nita's over in Alice Cooper. So the Iron Maidens and Heaven Below. Actually, tomorrow are starting a collaboration. We're recording an Iron Maiden classic, and it's going to be all nine members of Heaven Below and the Iron Maidens. Well, there's one girl in the Iron Maidens I would like to meet, but uh, you know, it's uh, you know, he probably knows who it is. <laughs> well, I mean, they're all good looking, but yeah, uh, those are my buddies. Uh, you know, Anita was nice enough to be on uh, this couch right where you were sitting. Oh, okay. uh, so they, that's they're amazing. Is, if you've ever seen. Them. Oh my God, they! I, I almost would rather see them than Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, <laughs> Kirsten, the lead vocalist. I'm like, you, you think Iron Maiden? You have to, and a girl, you have to really be badass to pull that off. Boy, does she! Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, I don't know how you. Uh, 
you know, some tribute bands look like the actual bands. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, they don't. Right. Uh, thankfully, they don't. Yeah. I mean, nothing against the guys in Iron Man. I don't really want a girl who looks like Yana Gears. Exactly. We don't need a girl that looks like Nico McBrain. Uh, great drummer. <laughs> I'm sure he's a swell guy. I'm trying to get a King Cobra reunion. I'm, re I'm really glad wow. Nikki. I'm really glad Nikki doesn't look like Adrian. That's good. So am I. <laughs> I want to get the singer from King Cobra. Wait, is that the one that had the operation? <laughs> Mark Free is now Marcy okay, Free. I think I, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I'll let you delve into that, fans. How do, to, what does the voice sound? But the voice is going to be a lot different. I don't know if it's going to be deeper. Oh, oh, because was King Cobra real high vocals? Yeah, he was uh, very. Uh, well, she. Yeah. It's all Caitlyn. He was the OG Caitlyn Jenner. Oh. But he had the operation. Yeah. Like, I don't think Caitlyn Jenner's a woman just because if you got a dangling, yeah. you're a dude. You know who pulled that off? <laughs> that boy, pun intended, uh, I was gonna is, say, is uh, against me. I know they're, they're, they're more of an alternative punk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. They're, they're and, lead, and um, their lead vocalist went ahead and, and became a woman. And, and it still works. Oh yeah! Listen, I saw, I, I saw him open up for. Um, oh Christ! Now I can't think of it. But it was a couple of years ago. Saw him in in Chicago, and uh, oh, with Rise Against, yeah. they opened up for Rise Against. And she did. She kick and, ass. And she, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and it, but it took me a minute because yeah. because I didn't know <sighs> I about it. Like I had to look at like I knew the band, uh, you know, I knew their music and all that, but I don't follow them that closely right. enough yeah. to know that that she had done that. Yeah. So when I'm looking at first, I'm like. Okay, sounds the same, still throws down, but something is, yeah. So uh -huh. that's when, you know, after the show, I jumped online and I'm like, no shit. Like, went through the whole thing. Yeah. And still kills it. Well, speaking it was of that, live. I, I just ask killed you it. Something. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, Vinny Vincent is oh. going to be at the Atlanta convention tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Eddie Trunks interviewing him at three. I'll give Eddie a little plug. I'm going to be all over. Uh, everyone's social media because i want to i want to know and see and just i wonder where his head's at i wonder what's up well i mean there's you know i i'm trying to get a documentary done about him called finding Vinny, just because of the wackiness that this guy has you know he started off writing jingles for happy days yeah and then he's in the dan hartman band yep. with ge smith yeah. like you wouldn't put Dan Hartman, the guy who sang "We Can Dream," "I Can Dream About You," yeah, and Vinnie Vincent and and G.E. Smith. You wouldn't like put that together, and then he goes to Kiss, he's kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, which is really amazing to me that that like yeah, that's like it, it's impossible. <laughs> You're you, gonna have to get Bobby Rock's book, and I'll oh, I you, will. It's got some great stuff in it. I got to to page through some of the uh, first drafts, and I. It is awesome if you're a, if you're a big fan. Well, his attention to detail, like he went into the recording of the first Invasion album, like he did it two days before he told me this. It's like, wow, this guy's like. And his Instagram, you talk about Rob Halford's Instagram, Bobby's Instagram of hotel gems across the world. Yeah, at like three in the morning. I've I've seen this was a real good story. I remember we played a show it was the it was the Iron Maidens opening for Lita Ford, and uh, so me and Nikki. After our, our, we were done with our sets, I was like, let's go get some, uh, let's go get some wine. We were, it was summer in Florida and there was like beachfront thing going on. And so me and Nikki went and got some wine from one of our hotel rooms and we're walking back to the beach and we look in the gym 
And this is real late at night. We've all played. And there's Bobby Rock lifting. What? And so me and Nikki take our wine bottles and we pretend they're dumbbells as we walk past the glass, you know, to make Bobby right. laugh. And But that's what he does. He works out before and after shows. I think he might do a workout during the beginning of Close My Eyes Forever when he doesn't have to play drums, you know? Right. No, I mean, it's like very impressive to see a man of it. He's not old, but like, you know, he's down there behind his drum riser doing pick up, yeah. push-ups. You know? Exactly. Here and, and here I am just making sure I don't eat bread or drink too much beer, you know? Well, you, you for forty six, you got it going on. Oh, I mean, I got, well, I'm half brown. I got the Mexican thing kicking. I'm a white Mexican. Don't tell Trump that. Yeah. You'll be. Uh, you might send me over. Yeah, you'll be deported. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I guess people say that, but in my mind, I'm still nineteen. In my mind. Right. Well, I mean, I was just reading Sammy Hagar's uh, little snippet from his uh, biography, and he said that when Eddie would do his twenty minute solo that he would have sex with four to five women in the uh, tent below the Wait, stage. So how many minutes does each girl get? Def Leppard <laughs> used to do that, too. Yeah. Well, my question is, what is Bobby doing while you're doing your solo? You know, it's uh, doing some vegan, uh, you know, burgers or... Something, yeah. I mean, he makes an, some amazing vegan chili. And we were out with Hailstorm. It was Lita Ford, Hailstorm. Right. And uh, everybody had heard that Bobby makes amazing chili. And sure enough, at one of the venues, he he got everything and he made the chili and all the crews and all the bands, everybody who weren't even vegan were scarfing down on the chili. And I got to tell you, vegan chili, when it's made right, is amazing. I don't know if I want to be on your tour bus after uh, <laughs> all of you had inhaled. Everybody eats a pot of chili. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Vegan yeah. chili. I mean, that's yeah. next. <laughs> vegan chili on top that's, of it. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, this is the part of the show. First of all, thank you both for coming here. Thanks for having us. I know it was probably not on your bucket list to do a relatively unknown comics podcast. Oh, man. If, it, if Bobby Rock's doing it, I'm doing it. Well, Bobby was, I, you know, I get told no a lot. Yeah. Online. You know, I, Gene Simmons has turned me down multiple times. Paul Stanley multiple times. I don't know if Paul would be into my sense of humor, but, uh, you know, guys like you, Bobby Rock, uh, Nita, uh, you know, Fred Corey, it's like he's amazing. Brent Fitz coming as soon as he gets done with whatever he's doing. The Brent Fitz is like the hardest working guy I've ever met. Oh, yeah, he's, he's always out there. He's either with Slash or uh, Whitford Holmes or uh, playing the spoons at uh, an Eagle Rock. I met him at an Eagle Rock bar, nice playing covers on yeah. Sunday nights in front of three people. Yeah, and I'm like, you're the drummer from Union, and he looked at me like I was from fucking Mars. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, how do you know that? Because I would go on that website, Kiss Asylum, and they oh, had yeah. a little, you know, it was on the dark web. <laughs> Guys, where, Nick, where can people find you on social media? Uh, just on Facebook, Nick F.C. Bianco, B-I-A-N-C-O. -B yeah, you better spell that for my fan base. Yeah. <laughs> I have to spell it for my friends who have known me my whole life. Are you kidding? Which they might be my fan base. Uh, and Patrick, where can uh, people... I mean, you got a lot of projects going on, so this might be the longest plug in the history Mine's of this. Mine's easy. Yeah, you can go to litafordonline.com and, of course, heavenbelow.com. And, of course, on social media, I'm, uh, it's Patrick Kennison, K-E-N-N-I-S-O-N. -N -N. I'm pretty easy to find. And... Um, yeah, I love it. And a shout out to our mutual friend, Eric, who I think put the ball in motion yes, for this. Yes, we love Eric. We love Void Vader. Eric is the best. Girlfriend's a great publicist. So if you need a publicist, I'll get you in touch with her. This has been Inappropriate Earl. SoundCloud and iTunes. 
write a fucking review for it. It ain't that hard. 30 seconds. Hey, this is the greatest podcast ever. Or whatever. Don't don't overdo it. You know, just, you know, someone wrote that. And I'm like, come on. It's not the greatest podcast ever. But uh, follow Patrick on tour with Lita Ford. Any LA dates coming up? Uh, I haven't seen any on the calendar. Uh, Heaven Below will definitely be at the Viper uh, or the Whiskey in the next couple months. Oh, that's awesome. I can walk to the Viper room. Yeah. And uh, guys, thank you for the love and support. Support Nick and Patrick. Good guys. They didn't have to come down here. So give them a solid review their CDs. Do you have any CDs, Nick? You want to nope. Anything you want to sell? Drum, drum set, guitars? No, I actually play my drums, so I don't want to sell them. Right. <laughs> did you ever make a guitar for Paul Stanley, Washburn? Uh, as a matter of fact, I did. The, the fractured mirror one? Yeah. See, I know yeah, my shit. Um, and Not really. I, I actually got to do a lot of cool stuff while I worked there. And uh, but you know what? It, the 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 real masters at uh, in the old Washburn USA shop were were the senior builder, uh, a guy named Eric Carroll. We call him Big E. Um, that guy it, it built probably some of the most incredible stuff I've ever seen. And just the craftsmanship in a USA Washburn was just second to none because either he had his hands on doing it or he taught people like me to do it and then the the master painter there uh a guy who who actually which when that paul stanley guitar got released in the ad it said designed by paul stanley himself well the guy it was the guy who actually the, did the it? guy who actually did it his name's uh matt dazinski we call him chewy and he now is the head of the art department at Schechter, yeah. and he you know I just, he came out here, uh, took a look at the shop and, and, you know, they saw his work from, from doing years and years of, of stuff. That guy, I've, I've told you a couple of times, Patrick, but you give him a, you know, a paint sprayer and, and, in a booth and he will do some of the most incredible things you've ever seen. And not just that, but, you know, Dimebag Daryl's, you know, shattered mirror guitar or the trend kill guitar that had the snake skin on top of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's all him. And he, you know, all the stealths and everything. It just, yeah. So, so shout out to Chewy. Yeah, yeah absolute Chewy. shout out to Chewy. Actually, Chewy and Patrick are the reason, you know, that I'm in LA right now. Cause I haven't seen Chewy in a couple of years since he moved from Chicago. So, um, so yeah, shout out to Chewy because he is an absolute master of his craft and, cool. um, and you know, and he's a hell of a dude. Well, if you guys want to get back in the guitar making game, even though I don't play a guitar, I would love a pink flying V if you guys want to, you know, I got the money. I'll, you know, if you guys can maybe hook that up, you know. Um, actually, as a matter of fact. Uh, oh, fuck. He's calling my bluff. No. <laughs> matter of fact, uh, you know, the guy, Eric Carroll, who who I mentioned, um, he's actually got uh, a lot of equipment and, and is setting up and gearing up to just kind of do his own thing on the side. Um, and he's a master as well at, at what he does. And, and his creative, actually, the, the Maya, Dan Donegan's old signature series washer and he that was that was his design and, nice. and you know Dan changed a couple of things you know aesthetically just that he liked and wanted to change a little bit but but Eric's Eric's vision for for instruments is just phenomenal his ideas and and his and his work is is second to none he'll build he'll build you the best guitar you've ever held in your hand well, I don't need that I don't even need strings on the fucking thing Can well he? we're gonna string it and we're gonna make sure it plays well, we don't have to worry about that. Can you make me a Kane Roberts bazooka guitar? Like, can we hook that up? 
you know, any uh, anything's yeah. possible. Yeah, it's all gonna be hard p- to get it through the TSA on the fly dates. It's all right. Yeah, well, but yeah. if it'll fit in my car, I can always drive it. Yep. <laughs> all right, guys. We now we're delving off into uh, you know. I feel like we're in a chat room on the dark web right now. Uh, I thank you guys again. Uh, I, re- I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come here. Thanks, and, Earl. Uh, you know, you guys know all the links to go support my boys. Do it, and honestly, do it. You know, n- music needs fans to buy it patrick can't make music if you guys don't buy the stuff and you won't find a nicer dude so thank you get on it get on board the kennison train yeah